Welcome to episode number nine. Yay! It's been a while. I know. I know. I've got about a million different excuses I can offer you today, but I'm afraid I'll be in trouble if I use the word busy as an excuse. I don't know if you recall, if you if you haven't listened to episode number five, but I interviewed Shannon Merlo from Inspired Outcomes, and the episode is titled Habits of Highly Productive Business Owners. And she has a very good reason why we can't use busy as an excuse. I'm very conscious of the fact, but I have no other excuse but to use busy as an excuse. So my first excuse for you today is that I had to travel interstate um, and it was about two to three weeks. Then we had a few different projects on the go, which made it a bit hard for me to focus on producing the episodes. It does take time to actually um, go through every episode and and create the episode and publish them and promote them. But uh, I haven't forgotten about you all. So I was actually busy interviewing interesting experts, uh, which I plan to release in the coming weeks. And the and the other excuse I had is that for some strange reason, my microphone failed me a few times, so much so that my voice sounded like a serial killer. So <clears throat> I don't know if you watch movies, but there's a movie called Taken with Liam Neeson when kidnappers call him to tell him they abducted his daughter. Well, I sounded just like that. <laughs> You might hear that voice changes in this episode in the show that I, uh, I'm doing today as I interview Luke Brusnell from uh, Story League. We both encountered some technical issues on that day and I spent about one whole day editing this show so it sounds like we are real human beings. But uh, let me actually introduce you to my guest Luke from Story League. Luke is actually a former journalist and a former actor. He played a serial killer in a TV show called Sensing Murder. The serial killer was Paul Denya. Now he's talking to one. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> so if you uh, if you listen to maybe halfway, you'll see what I mean. From a serial killer to content killer, that's Luke. He's now the founder of Story League, focused on helping business owners generate interesting content, especially content designed to generate leads and, and happy customers. Um, Story League has worked with the likes of Zero, Gross Waddle, and a lot of large and small uh, enterprises. Luke is also a, a speaker. He's recently presented on the future of content to Vietnamese TV executives at RMIT, which is a university. And uh, I do know that we have some listeners uh, listening, tuning in from Vietnam. He's also a regular content writer for Smart Company and Inside Small Business. Before we dive into this episode, please bear in mind the audio isn't perfect and I've done my best to make the sound consistent throughout the show. But the content is worth its weight in gold as he shares how to go from boring to interesting with your content marketing. Oh, and before I forget, for those of you who are new to this podcast, my name is Yovana and I run Bumper Leads. We are a marketing automation agency that helps business owners grow their sales, inquiries and profit. And I started this podcast to help all hardworking business owners rise above their daily grind so they can fall in love with their business again. You can check me out at bumperleads.com. I've also included all the links and show notes from this show and this episode and the other shows on this website. I begin this interview by asking Luke how he likes to start his day.
my start to the day is normally 5am, so I get up pretty early because uh, I realise that I can become a bit relaxed, let's say that, throughout the day if I'm not up nice and early. So normally I'll get up, uh, do a little bit of work, I'll get to kickboxing at 6am, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, mm-hmm. More for the more for the exercise than the aggression and then sort of home by soon after 7, quickly shower, have some breakfast and then at my desk ready to work by 8am and then into the day. I don't necessarily have a, uh, you know, I was listening to one of the other podcasts and one of your guests was saying, you know, it's two glasses of warm water and exercises and motivational quotes and stuff like that. I, I don't go to that degree. I just like to keep it nice and simple and just make sure I've got at least one achievement behind me, which is exercise, uh, before the day really kicks in. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think you and I are very similar. When I was uh, talking to Shannon and uh, Tristan, uh, they both had this really glamorous uh, morning routine mm-hmm. and, uh, and it made me feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm not really doing much. I should, maybe well, I should be waking up at 4 a.m. and I should be, you know, ahead and, you know, in basically beating my competition by being super early or well, starting a day early. Yeah, I, look, I love to get up early because not many other people are. And if you go outside, there's the, it's, just, it's, it's just a nicer feel to the day and the environment, uh, particularly if it's not raining and it's not cold. But yeah. I always say when I'm travelling overseas, it's, it's the nicest time to be up and out walking is when no one else is and it's just normally just calm and cool and um, just very relaxing. But, yeah, some of the stuff that Tristan and Shannon were saying they get up to, it just sounds like hard work to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and do you also think about your creative, like, the juices, do they come in the morning as you're walking in the mornings? Uh, sometimes they do. Um, the way I sort of structure the day is the first part of the morning is I'll get some tasks done that I just know I have to get to. But with a lot of the work that we do, which is content-based, so it's a lot of writing or it's a lot of podcasting video type, it's not necessarily something you want to be blurry-eyed for because you make mistakes, particularly if you're writing, so spelling or grammar or whatever it might be. I mean, we've got proofreaders, obviously, but um, you need to be focused for that. So normally the start of the day is just smashing out a few emails that need to go, doing other bits and pieces, invoices or whatever it might be. And then by about nine, when you've got a few runs on the board, you're awake, et cetera, is when you really get stuck into doing the writing work or or whatever it needs to be done for clients. So, yeah, no, I have tried starting a day at 5 a.m., just getting out straight out of bed and then writing, and it just doesn't work particularly well because you're just, you're you're still awake. You're still asleep from the night before. Yes, I agree. (laughs) And I think both you and I work kind of from home. We have this flexibility. Yeah, it's really important that you have that um, environment, uh, positive and creative environment that you can work and produce great content. Absolutely, because that's what we're in the business of doing, producing great content. (laughs) Yeah, I told our listeners that uh, a bit about Story League um, mm-hmm. But I think it would be super helpful if you ca- if it comes from you and tell us more about your background because it's quite interesting. Cool. Well, I started way back in the day wanting to be an actor, and you took great delight when I told you that I was actually on Neighbours for a little bit, and you laughed at that one. Um, and also, ironically, played a serial killer on an Australian TV series as well called Sensing Murder. The, the serial killer was a guy named Paul Denyer from. Out Frankston way, so and on Neighbours, I was playing a bad guy as well. So clearly, I have a face for radio, and just as well because that's where I went soon after after acting because it didn't really work out. There's not a lot of jobs there, so I went and did a 
um, introductory course into commercial radio and it was a 10-week introductory course, had a job after seven. So I completed the course and then moved to, to the ski fields in New South Wales to, to be a broadcaster at, um, at a local radio station up there. So I didn't, I think I was a big kid in, in town. I thought I was the next Kyle Sandilands, only to realise that nobody should ever want to be the next Kyle Sandilands. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a great experience and then there were a few other radio jobs in that as well but uh, look I just got sick and tired of talking about Paris Hilton because she was the flavour of the day back then and I just kind of went well you know I've got more to add here I can add more I've got more value um, so I actually came back to Melbourne and studied journalism and politics and because of the radio experience I was able to get a job with ABC Radio pretty quickly um, continued on with the degree and actually studied European politics over closer to your former part of the world um, in the Czech Republic, so Prague, which was really good. I mean, look, most of it was spent drinking large beers, but that is quite okay. Um, <laughs> and so, and then came back from that and uh, was working for, for the age as a feature writer and moved into politics as well as a, as a media advisor. And then corporate after that. Um, and that's basically from there is when I went and started Storyly because I'd, I'd gone through working as an actor, working as a radio broadcaster and a journalist and understanding very clearly how to tell a good story that engages a market. Then I went into politics and corporate and it's the complete opposite. So they stifle all of that creativity. Not always, but quite often they do. Then they wonder why no one wants to vote for them or no one wants to, to buy their product or service. It's like, well, it's the way you can communicating to your your ideal market or not communicating to them. So as much as I've tried in those roles to bring some the, the journalistic skill set, which we know has worked for, for centuries, uh, it never really cut through to them. So I my contract in the last corporate job, that wrapped up and um, didn't get renewed, which I was okay about. And I thought, well, this is my opportunity to go out and do what I know I can do. That's just bring some quality and value to, to content creation. So we do podcasts, videos um, and copywriting. So it's, uh, yeah, and it's all done through the lens of, of being journalists, working with our clients to actually uh, help them to identify the stories and then going away and, um, and delivering for them. So it's, yeah, it's going well. What was it like transitioning from, you know, being the journalist into a business owner? I've actually applied the same sort of methodology, to be honest. So it's, it's the big difference is that in journalism and, and in politics as well, you, you're governed by deadlines. So, you know, you walk in your day and your editor says, you go and get this story and, and make sure it's done by 6pm and if not, you're fired. So, because I got in on, a, on the tail end of um, brutal journalism, it's probably a lot softer than it was now but your editors back then could be pretty nasty people uh so and similar in politics as well you'd, you'd walk in and someone else would be determining what you're going to do with your day so the, the big problem i faced going and doing my own thing is the fact that for the first time ever i was in control of what was going on so i made the choices as to what needed to be done and that's that actually caused me a bit of a problem to begin with because I was so used to dealing with deadlines and working towards them that when I woke up and I suddenly had the luxury of deciding myself, yeah, I didn't know where to turn. So I started uh, looking back at that, at that journalism approach and then started applying deadlines to things that I was doing and structuring it out as a journalist would 
uh, etc. And it's um, it seems to be working quite well. And even with the content creators we've got now, who, who are all journalists by background, it's the same thing that I that I apply with them. Uh, it's you know I basically act as their their editor as much as I'm their boss. Um, I kind of treat them as a as an editor journalist type of role, and it seems to work really well. And I think you know people have been in that that media industry understand that and I think it works quite well for them. What do you love most about being in business? The thing that I love most is working with clients to get them a really good result. When I started Story League, my idea was initially we'll just do the content and we'll handle it over to our clients and off they go. But then I realised there's not a lot of value in that. Um, So what's happening for us now with um, runs on the board is the fact that it's starting to generate leads for them. So uh, they can, they're now using our content to, to um, drive sales, which is just a, a hugely beneficial thing for them and us. So we've got a business coach who we're writing um, articles for and he's then turning them around to, to industry-specific publications for him. And the, the editor of that publication is saying, yes, we'll run the story because it reads really well. And, you know, that's because it's written to, to journalistic guidelines. So it obviously is going to, to read well because that's how journalism has been structured for years. So getting a few of them on the board has been really, really powerful. Um, and that's what I'm in it for is to, is to see that end result and basically the, the clients we work with to see them grow and prosper. Obviously, I want Story League to as well. I figure if we can do that for our clients, then we're we're offering amazing value. And I, I do remember seeing you feature on The Age uh, at some stage, which I believe you, with your journalism uh, background, you were able to pitch great PR articles. Is that yeah. as well for clients? No, so we, no, we don't do PR. Um, that's an area I want to keep away from. Um, but if anyone is looking for PR, I know where I can send them. Uh, but the focus of Story League is to actually produce the content uh, and make sure it's it's being used to its best ability. So, having said that, if we do it for a client and they want to turn around and they want to pitch it to the media, then they're completely entitled to do so. And we have clients who are doing that, and it's getting them a good result. So it's entirely possible. Um, Story League is just not going to uh, go and approach the media for them. So, can you give me an example of a client you worked with that you've, you know, helped with their content and helped them not necessarily with the results, but they were able to realize the impact they could have by hiring a professional to do this? Because, as you know, in my background, I am also in marketing, and I often meet uh, clients who can who think they can do it themselves. So there are things that they would outsource, but there are things they can do in-house or they think they know how to do it themselves. And sometimes it's okay. You know, you do your personalization, you, you, you use your words. And, but a lot of the time, I would say 90% of the time, people struggle. They sit in front of the computer and they see a blank page. They don't know where to start. And this is where I would recommend every time, you know, hire a professional and Story League, in my mind, it comes to mind because you guys are all about telling stories, which mm-hmm. is all about humanizing um, marketing, which is all about positioning you well above your competitor. So whatever mm-hmm. industry you are in, uh, by telling stories, you as a business owner will have a bigger advantage. Um, well, 
Absolutely, Will. And on that point, um, and I'll get to working with clients in a sec, but the power of storytelling is undeniable. Um, I was recently reading a, a, some stats from Stanford University who did a, a research report which indicated if you tell someone a piece of data, they have a 10% chance of remembering it. But if you tell that same piece of data with an anecdote or a story, it goes up to 70%. So if you want to be remembered in the things that you're doing, you need to tell it with a story. And it makes perfect sense because it's how we've um, communicated information for centuries. Like, you know, fortunately we weren't involved in World War II, but we know about it because the, sh- the story has been shared down the line. So it's, um, you know, nursery rhymes when you're a kid. It's what your parents teach you right from wrong with, uh, you know, religious texts. So there's so many examples of how stories are the things that people remember and are the guiding tool in order to get them to where you want them to go. Uh, so every small business owner needs to understand that. And there, there's various tactics out there in which you can um, you can explain your story. So for a lot of business owners, I think one of the, the really powerful ones is what's called the hero's journey. So it basically sets you up as authority in your space, but it creates empathy for you. And it's, it's a step-by-step process in which you can do, but they work really well uh, in email sequences, but they're, they're perfect for blogs too so i mean there's there's really no shortage of things you can do with them but it's a good one to to google and and have a look for and it's straight out of hollywood as well so it's a a brilliant trick um working with clients one of the ones that i would say was uh zero so we did their podcast series and they they had a marketing team i reckon it's probably about 20 they have copywriters they have video people all in-house and they all do a wonderful job but Something they didn't really understand initially was podcasts. So they came to us uh, with an idea um, and we were able to help them turn that idea into a great podcast series, which was story-based. So ultimately what happened was, uh, and I remember the first day of recording that we did with them was not good. So they came in and used their copywriter to write the scripts, but he'd never written a podcast script before. Uh, and so, and and as much as he's a fantastic guy and does a great job with the blogs, etc., it's just it's one thing that he didn't get, and nor should he, because he's not used to doing it. He's never done it before, so you can't expect greatness. So after an entire day of recording, they basically had to go back to their office at night and rewrite the intros and the outros for the podcast that we're going to, because they simply didn't work. Um, and that was to do with things like setting up. The situation, so the podcast, so introducing who the hosts are, who the guests are, what's going to happen across the next six, six podcasts, etc. So, just some things like that, um, and, a, and a few other bits and pieces. And at the end of that whole process, and it went really well, and we got them a great result, and they were really happy with it. But one of them said to me that they didn't realise the work that's required to deliver a high quality podcast, and most people don't um, because, like what I say with with many things in the content space, it's saturation. Everyone's doing it, so everyone else thinks they can do it too, and they can to a degree. Uh, but the the point is, if you want to cut through and you want to get traction in a very saturated market, you have to do something that's unique, uh, and that requires a skill set. And I, I believe. Storytelling is very unique because if you find a story yourself, no one else has got that. Uh, and then there's also a, a skilled component too, and it doesn't necessarily mean your podcasts are done in a studio or your videos are done on the latest, greatest, most expensive video cameras. It's a skill set in the strategy that goes before it that counts. 
I agree with that. Now that I'm doing my own podcast, <laughs> it is a completely different world. And uh, I, I offer no judgments. They, uh, thank you so much because I judge myself too <laughs> too much. Yes, most people do in this world, unfortunately. And uh, it was one of the things that my one of my mentors was recommending to do, uh, and I just kept procrastinating. And I knew that there is a lot of value in podcasts. It's almost like the future versus the written SEO type of future that we all are used to. Podcast is like the next medium that is underutilized. I know you mentioned that it's saturated, but I think um, I think there is so much so many listeners that are still discovering podcasts as a channel. You're right. We still have conversations with people about what a podcast is. Um, and podcast is a number of steps back behind blogging and video content. So blogging, you get uh, per minute, you get 5,000 blogs posted online each minute per day. And each minute there's 300 hours of video content uploaded to YouTube. So there's about 18 million podcasts at the moment or, or so. And there's something like 7 billion plus videos on YouTube. So there's a big difference at the moment. Um, podcasts don't go that way. It's relatively new, as we're seeing in America right now. It's exploded. That will happen five to ten years later here in Australia. It'll explode here if it hasn't already. Uh, but podcasts are an amazing vehicle to actually explain what you're about because average listener times are about 22 minutes. So the amount of information you can give or education in 22 minutes is phenomenal compared to a 90-second video or a 2,000-word blog. So when people start to realise that, they will flock towards doing podcasts. And second of all to that as well, people are actually invested in you and your podcast because they're making the active choice to download it, to go out of their way. So they therefore they know it takes time and that's why you can retain it as a listener for longer. Yeah, that, that's true. Like, I mean, you can listen to a podcast while you're doing something else, you know, you, yeah. while you're driving your car, going for a walk, watching your children, you know, the swimming practice. Mm. You, you can it's, the time. I think it's really interesting that the average listener times are 22 minutes, which is probably most people's commute to work within cities anyway. So I just I think, find it's really interesting that you do a podcast that's no longer than 25 minutes. You can probably get them on the, the morning commute to work um, and they can listen to the entire thing in one go. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes I tune into radio, not often, but they also promote their own podcasts on radio. Yeah, of course. It's where it's, it's where it's going. It's um, yeah, a very powerful forum to communicate information. Would you say people, like small business owners, uh, should really invest in podcasts as opposed to paying for a radio commercial? Yes, you can, because as someone who has worked in commercial radio and know how that side of things works, it's very expensive, typically, one. Um, and there's no guarantee that it's going to actually be aired to your market anyway. And what it doesn't do is it doesn't give you the ability to educate. And that's very important in the sales cycle these days is educate. You want to give them as much information, as much of your IP for free as you can. You just don't tell them how to do it. Um, you don't get that chance in a 30-second radio commercial, which people are not interested in. They're interested in the program, whether it's Hamish and Andy or whether it's Talkback. They want to hear from those guys. They don't want to hear what your ad is. But if your podcast, it's targeted content, you can tap into your market pretty quickly uh, and start building a loyal following and turn them into customers uh, by virtue of the fact that they're interested in what you've got to say. So whereas traditional radio advertising is more about saturation 
your podcasting, if done well, can be about targeted content. And um, targeted content is the way to go. Yeah. So what's the name of that uh, Zero podcast you're talking about? It's called First Year Frontiers. So basically what they wanted to do was educate people who are who are soon to end into the business world with their new idea about what they're going to go through in their first year of business operation. So it um, touches on themes like uh, turning your idea into a business, how to hire and fire the right people, how much you pay yourself, a little bit of marketing and stuff like that. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, again, that's another example of how they haven't gone with a hard sell of you need zero, our online accounting program. What they've said is, here's your education as a young business owner, here's what you're going to go through. Um, and that is much more powerful um, to convince people that they need to use your product and it's worked really well for them. Oh, great. So um, our listeners can go and check out that podcast and they can yep, see the wonderful yeah, so work that your team has done. Yes, thank you. I actually hosted that one too. So you'll, uh, you'll hear my voice again if you listen to it, <laughs> which is either a good or bad thing depending on who you are. Yeah, well, I just want to mention to listeners, um, we are in Australia and our internet isn't always the best. So if there are any type of noises here, it's not the professional podcasters. We're blaming the NBN or the internet uh, <laughs> providers. The, non- the non-existent NBN. <laughs> no, I finally got a letter that I'll get my NBN here. Uh, we are almost close to the Mornington Peninsula. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks forever. So going back to your story league, um, how long have you had it now? How long have you run your business? Just short of 18 months. So okay. it's, um, it's been one hell of a ride so far and I hope that continues. What was your biggest like, hurdle in the business? The one thing I didn't anticipate when entering the market is, to, is how much I had to convince people that quality matters the value matters um, and look it makes a lot of sense because the first time ever with the introduction of the internet people have the ability to do a lot of content themselves uh, and trust me people are but the people who are doing it don't necessarily lack in confidence but they lack in ability um, and that's why people are getting a little bit sick and tired of you know scrolling through Facebook and then you've got some flog who's you know trying to sell you something or whatever the hell it is you just don't know and their content is all about them and how amazing they are. Trying to realign people's thinking on that has taken some time, which I didn't anticipate, uh, but we're actually getting there because, you know, the messages we've got now um, seem to be working. We hear all the time from people that, you know, we're on the right track and, that yes, people are sick and tired of that self-indulgent BS, as I call it, uh, and they want to engage with something that's that's real um and authentic and as much as these people will tell you they're authentic quite often they're not mm, i agree with that uh, every time you you read content that is authentic and real it's so refreshing i clearly like i would read often online on linkedin or facebook and and you read all these articles and you can you know they're written just for one you know lazy purpose <laughs> yeah, not so much coming from a from the heart or solving a specific problem for mm-hmm. anybody so it's very, very important um, as a business owner. And, and I was going to ask you because you're all this, the, the content guru here. Um, and I do believe the stories are, you know, 
help business owners really um, connect with their audience. Uh, or what advice would you give other biz- other business owners? I'm imagining maybe someone who is in a let's say not so sexy industry. We I just had a meeting with a few uh, people who are from the industrial automation. <laughs> How would they uh, tell their story uh, in their world where they operate? Well, if you're dealing with people like that or industries like that, one really good tactic is to actually get their clients to do it for them. Um, So that is what we call client-led content. So you find the clients that have a really strong network themselves because they're obviously going to later share it with them, but you find the ones that have a good story to tell. So that could could take many forms, but ultimately what it is is... uh, the business has come on board to help this client achieve greatness and they've been able to do it. So you actually let them tell the story. And what they'll do typically is they'll tell it in, in a, um, a fun and engaging way because, uh, because they've, had, they've been working with someone who's delivered them a really good result. So if a business is ever thinking that they're dry and they're boring, uh, look, there are examples of where it can be. I mean, we, we just delivered a big project for an engineering company. But it's just about the little pops of colour, essentially, in the copy that you're doing or whatever it might be. So it doesn't have to be the whole reason for you doing the content, but you just need a few side side things that provide them a little bit of interest in it uh, to really amplify it. So, and ultimately it comes back to the target market. Like, you know, we've done things before which the target market have been doctors. Now, typically they're very conservative and we were constrained in the things that we could do. Uh, so these things do happen. So you've got two choices. You can either go for the entertainment or the education. If you get one or the other right, your content will be decent. Mm. Okay, so our listeners, if you paid attention, this is super helpful advice. Um, I would advise you to go and review your website, your social media content, and see how it connects with your story. Or you know what? Marie Kondo says, does it give you joy? Yeah, Absolutely. One thing that we do initially, the way we operate is we do workshops up front and we go in and we dissect the ideas that businesses have got for their content and they'll say X, Y and Z. But another thing that we do too is we interview or survey their ideal customers or their current long-term customers to find out what they want in their content. And typically what happens is it's very different to what the business thinks. So if you can do that step and you can also understand the SEO um, and work out what the what everyone is searching on Google and be unique in approach, you're starting to look very nice, which is ultimately leading towards that business or that person becoming a thought leader because Google, as they've announced recently, they, they want to favour unique content. So to do something unique means you have to be different in approach. So if you can do them and you can actually start referencing what your ideal customers want, what your market is searching for, have a unique approach in that, you'll go all right. And uh, some, some of the listeners might think, oh, what about my industry has like five different verticals or five different customers? Should they be producing content five different ways? Potentially, yes. I mean, you'd obviously have to discover that a bit more and, and do a bit more research around it. But targeted content is the way to go through. So you can either try and go for a viral hit, which um, is, I think, pointless because it can be seen by... 60 million people, but how many of them are your ideal customer and how many of them actually take an action? Uh, it's, it's not many, um, whereas target is, is much more beneficial because you're targeting the market that you're after. 
Um, so that does mean that there are probably opportunities if you do have five different customer streams that, yes, you need to be delivering them unique content to each one. And so you probably should as well because, you know, if you've got five different potentials, customers out there, you want to secure as many of them as you can and an approach to one is not going to work to the other. So it's probably going to require a bit more time, a bit more effort, but the rewards will be there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I tell my clients, if you start to market to everybody, you're marketing to nobody. And you really need to call out the people that you are marketing to. So you run campaigns that are specific. And as a marketing automation agency, we are heavily focusing on the segmentation piece, which is all about targeting specific content for you because it's all about being relevant. And that's what Google wants. Uh, That's the first time I've heard that they are changing their algorithm for more authentic. Yeah, look, they're always tinkering with it in some capacity uh, but uh, look I don't work for Google I'm not on the inside of the company but yeah they seem to be in recent times been doing a bit around um, changing their algorithm and perhaps maybe they've realized that there's so much content out there that their ultimate goal is to find people who are on Google the answer to their question the most efficiently ultimately that means um, yeah, it means unique content so doing something that not everyone else in your industry is doing. So we're saying that content is still the king when it comes to marketing. It is, and it will remain that way for a very long time um, because, you know, other other ways we've marketed businesses are falling away, such as the PR model. I mean, that's, that's still there and it will still continue on in some capacity, but not as if a business has to spend $30,000 for one ad on TV anymore when you can do a whole series of podcasts or videos or blogs or whatever. So... Uh, yeah, content um, is is very very important. So I think maybe our listeners will need to know how to reach you. <laughs> can you tell us where Absolutely. they can go, how they can uh, reach you, so that maybe they can get some advice on how they yeah, can create their own stories for their businesses? Yeah. So you can reach me on Luke at storyleague.com.au, and the website is storyleague.com.au. Oh, fantastic! And they can go to your website and learn more about you and. Um, obviously, all the great things you've done for other similar businesses. Yeah, we've got a portfolio tab on there. So if anyone wants to go and listen to the, the Zero podcast and a number of the other things that we've done, uh, there's quite a few examples there. And um, yeah, of course, it explains some details about who we are and, and what we do, etc. So um, yeah, please please log on and go there if you can. Great. And and just for listeners, um, we use Story League in our business as well for our clients because we do agree with everything that yeah, Look uh, stands for and, um, and it really does have a massive impact in the results that our clients are getting. So it's really worth exploring Story League and finding how you can uh, tell your story, also make an impact in your industry. Absolutely. Yeah. If anyone wants to get in contact, they're more than welcome to do so. Great. Thank you for your time, Luke. I'll chat to you soon. Pleasure. Happy to do it. We'll chat again soon. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I've included Luke's details in the show notes, and you can also find them on our website if you go to www.bumperleads.com. And please don't forget to hit subscribe if you've enjoyed the show. And I'll catch you again, hopefully soonish. No more excuses. I promise. <laughs> Ciao for now.